We're in the book of Ephesians still. And if you remember last time we were talking about the importance of grace, that we're saved by grace, which means we're saved by a free gift from God, not because we deserved anything. It's kind of like your birthday. What do you have to do on your birthday to have a birthday? You just have to be because the work of you being born was done by somebody else a long time ago. That's a lot like what it is to be a Christian. We didn't earn it. God did the work. God gave us a new birth and a new life, and we get to enjoy what God did. But we didn't earn it. You don't earn a birthday. You don't work in order to make yourself have a birthday. If you're alive, you have a birthday. Boom. And if you're alive in Christ, it's God's work. It's God's grace that did it. And so... The next thing God wants to talk to us about through the Apostle Paul is how it's not just about me. And it's not just about you. This is where being a Christian is not like having a birthday. Because on your birthday, you pretty much just think about yourself a lot, don't you? Unless you're having a hobbit birthday. A hobbit birthday is where you give presents to everybody else. But most of the time, when it's our birthday, who are you thinking about? Me, right? When it's your birthday, you think about Pastor Rob. You're welcome to. And if you have any presents you don't really like, you can send them my way once we're allowed to leave the house. But this is how it's not like a birthday. When you're a Christian, you need to know that everything that's happening is all about God and what he's doing in the world. And so I want to tell you what he's doing in the world. And what he's doing in the world is he's making a brand new human race that's characterized by unity by everybody who's being one when they usually would never want to get along or get together. Let me read you from the Word of God. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles, this is Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility." And he came to preach peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Hey, everybody, will you pray with me? God, all of us are like little children before you. We need you to teach us the truth. We need you to make us really understand it so that we can love it and live it, and behave it. God, I pray you bless every heart that hears the word of God today, and that the Spirit of God that we come to you through would make us understand what you're doing in the world, even in these uncertain times, and especially in these uncertain times. Amen. So, 
Does anybody miss their friends yet? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the kids. But you're allowed to miss your friends too. Does anybody miss your friends yet? You know, I heard that there's like only distance school for quite a bit. We don't know when we're going back. And one of the biggest losses from this is that you don't get to go and be with the people you want to be with, right? You all have great friends, or hopefully you have some great friends, and you miss them. And the same for us. I wish I could go out and play board games at a friend's house, but I I shouldn't. And so I can't, because of this invisible stuff that I might have, that I don't know if I have, and they might have, but they don't know if they have. And what happens if we get together, and everything could go bad? And so we got to stay home. And the government says you got to stay home. And we're missing our friends. We don't get to be with the people we want to be with. And sometimes we're kind of stuck with people we wouldn't necessarily want to play with all the time. Isn't that true? I know it's not true for you, because you love all your brothers and sisters, and you, everybody gets along, and when we're trapped in our houses, we're used to this, because we're Manitobans, and so we do winter, which means you're trapped in your house for four, six, or months, or eight, ten months, depends how often it keeps snowing. But don't you miss your friends? Well, that's very normal. It's very normal to only want to be with people you like being with, unless you're God. Because God wants to be with people that left to themselves wouldn't want to be with him. Think about that for a bit. God reaches out to go and love people who by themselves would not want to be with him. And when he does that, he actually gathers together people who by themselves would never want to be with each other. And he teaches them how to love each other and be one because of Jesus. And that's what this passage is about. Now, it's kind of strange because it talks about things like those who are far away and those who are near. It talks about circumcision and uncircumcision. Ouch. It talks about stuff we're not used to talking about at church or in companies. But this is the big idea. There was a division back before Jesus rose from the dead. There were two types of people. There were people who were Israelites, who God had specifically called and chosen, who were descendants of Abraham, who God had made covenants with and promises with to be their people, and he gave them a special nation and leaders. There was the descendants of Israel, and then there was everybody else. And these two groups of people, these everybody else's, they're called the Gentiles or the nations. They did not mix well. And you know why they didn't mix well? Because God didn't want them to. And Israel, he had given all these laws and all these commandments, things they couldn't do and things they couldn't touch and things they couldn't eat. And the whole point of all these commands was to keep them from being too close to the Gentiles. Because when they spent a lot of time with the Gentiles, they became like the Gentiles who didn't know God and they became idolaters and worse sinners than they already were and it was just a mess. And so God gave the Israelites special rules so that they would stay close to God and far away from the Gentiles, that they would be near to God and distant from these Gentiles so that they didn't fall away from God by becoming like the Gentiles. This was the biggest separation between any two people groups in the world because it was a separation that God himself made. 
A bigger separation than distance. A bigger separation than if you've got the virus or not. A bigger separation than any races. A bigger separation than any, than any divide by continents. A bigger separation than any nations. This was the biggest separation between people that was possible because God himself had made the separation. But now, in Jesus, God was overcoming the separation that he had made through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was bringing together two people groups, the descendants of Israel or the Jews and the Gentiles, who had very different ways of looking at the world, very different lives, and he was teaching them to be one in Christ because they were one by their faith in Christ. And now it was time for them to believe it and then act like it. It's not always easy living with people who are very different than you. And this is something that Scratchy Cat figured out. You guys remember Scratchy Cat? He's that cat who loved to jump out of the bushes and scratch up the dog. You remember this from last week? If you didn't, a quick synopsis. Scratchy Cat was just a jerk. Not all cats are jerks. Don't misrepresentatize me, okay? Not all cats are jerks. That's not what I'm saying. And don't put that on Facebook or make a meme out of it. But Scratchy Cat was a jerk. All he wanted to do was attack the dog because he thought it was fun. One day, Scratchy Cat got beaten up by another dog. And the dog's master, who liked to take the dog for a walk every day, had pity and mercy on this beaten up cat. And by grace, adopted him, took him home and fixed him all up and saved his life and healed him and made him a member of his house. Now, Scratchy Cat, Dog, and Master are all now living in the same house. And you'd expect that that meant that they would always get along, right? They were getting along like cats and dogs, literally, because they were like cats and dogs. Because you know what? Even though Scratchy Cat got adopted by the Master, it didn't necessarily mean that he liked to stop scratching. In fact, now Scratchy Cat found out that he didn't have to go and hide in a bush in order to scratch dog because there were all kinds of places in the dog's house that he could hide and jump out and scratch the dog. This time, not so much because of like evil fun, but more just like we live together fun. But he still thought it was fun. Does anybody like teasing because it's fun? Does anybody just like poking people while they're playing video games? Hey, 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 hey. Oh, you died. Does anybody like doing stuff like that because it's fun? Don't admit it out loud. Or else you might not get lunch. But people are like that sometimes. We like doing things that bug each other. We like doing things that are not good for each other. We like that. And Scratchy Cat was like that. Even though he'd been adopted into the house of the master, he still had problems relating to Dog. And one day, Dog just sat Cat down and just said, Why do you keep scratching me? And Scratchy Cat said, Because I like it. Don't you like it? And the dog said, No. I don't like scratching. I don't like being scratched. I don't like scratching. I, I like biting. I'm more like biting. And cat, cat, Scratchy Cat was like, what? No. No, things don't like biting. They like scratching. If you're going to scratch, you're going to scratch. If you're going to do anything, you're going to scratch. Scratching is the best. And dog, no, no, no. Scratching is not great. I don't love it. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to bite it. But even that, I don't like biting too much. Mostly just chasing balls. And Scratchy Cat couldn't get it. And he'd been watching Milo notice. And so he was like, yeah, but like, what's wrong with you? Don't, don't you want to be more like a cat? And the dog said, no, I, I'm a dog. I like being a dog. And Scratchy Cat said, yeah, but deep down, even though you're a dog, don't you kind of wish 
that you were a cat? Doesn't everybody wish to be a cat? And dog said, no, deep down, I'm a dog and I want to be a dog. I have no desire to become a cat. And so Scratchy Cat and Dog decided that even though they lived in the same house, they were never going to get along because one was a cat and one was a dog, and they were never going to be able to see eye to eye on anything, especially because dog was way bigger than cat. But cat would be higher up than dog. And so, anyhow, they would regularly fight. And sometimes there'd be scratching and hissing. And sometimes there'd be barking and chomping. And you know who didn't love this? Master. The master did not love the fact that Scratchy Cat was still scratching and now Dog was barking and biting. This was not great. And so what did Master have to do? He had to teach them how to get along. Master would sometimes make Scratchy Cat's food disappear when he was scratching. And Scratchy Cat began to learn that if he scratched too much, he would actually be spending a lot of time just sitting by an empty food bowl meowing. Meow, 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 meow. Meow. And Master was one of those masters who knew how to just listen to somebody meowing without doing anything about it if they weren't willing to repent. And Dog learned that if he did start barking, then stuff would happen to him too that he didn't like. And going out for throwing the ball was not probably going to happen because Master had bigger things to do than listen to them fight. He wanted a house with a dog and a cat that learned to get along, and he was willing to do anything to make them understand that. Dogs and cats are weird. I'm really grateful that you and I, we don't suffer with problems like this. We never have problems like this. Well, no, it's kind of true. When you're a Christian, God is throughout the entire world gathering together people from every nation. And he's uniting them to himself through Jesus. And he's forgiving their sins through Jesus' death on the cross. Because Jesus was the only perfect person and he never deserved to die. But in our place, both in the place of Jews who sinned and both in the place of Gentiles who sinned, Jesus was willing to be punished, to be tortured, to be condemned by a human court, and to be crucified, and to come even on his crucifixion and be hanging in the presence of God and have God put all the punishment that cat deserved and all the punishment that dog deserved. They should have both been rejected for their bad behavior and all the punishment I deserve and all the punishment you could deserve and he put it all on Jesus. And Jesus suffered the cost of sin on the cross. And when God raised him from the dead, on the third day, he wasn't just bringing someone back to life like it was some sort of medical drama. Clear! Oh, they're back. Or some kind of like beach movie where someone drowns and then they get pulled out of the water and then a couple of puffs of air later they they spit up this stuff it wasn't a resuscitation he was dead 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 but god raised him from the dead and didn't just bring him into regular life he gave him a brand new everlasting life and he started a new humanity a new man And everyone who comes to Jesus and puts their faith in this Messiah and this Christ that God has given to the world, they become one with this new man. And all the dividers that was dividing them before, even the dividers that God himself had made for the Jewish people are taken away. Because we're all dead to our old lives and we're all alive to our new life in Christ. We're in Jesus. 
And he's everything. And so now we can learn to live together. So why am I talking about all this stuff? Am I just a slave to doing the next verses in the Bible? The answer is yes. I don't want to decide for God what's important. I want to read the next verse because that's what God thinks is important. But this truth that in Christ we are one and we have a mission to live as one and to learn to work together because we are one in Christ, this time when we've got so much lockdown and everyone's stuck at home and you don't get to choose who you get to be with all the time, this is a time to be a Christian. You might have less time out of the house and you're, you're at home with the kids or you might have more time stuck in the house and you don't get to be with your friends. You don't get to do time at the restaurants and the coffee dates and your community group maybe looks different. Maybe it's all online. We don't get to just get what we want relationally. And you know what the truth is? The church has never been called to get what it wants relationally. The church has never been called to turn Sunday mornings into the place I hang out with my friends. The mission of the church is to learn to be one with people you don't like and don't want to live with. And even to the point of God himself making laws to say you shouldn't be together in the flesh, but in Christ you get to be one. The mission of the church is to go to places where people don't want to hear about Jesus and teach them how to be one with us in Christ. The mission of the church is to reach out to people we don't want to reach out to because God is doing a work in the world to make one new man in the place of the divisions that were there before in Christ, not because of money and not because of restitutions and not because of our human ideas. In Christ, it's only in Christ. It only happens by Christ because of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's where all the power is. And as soon as it becomes my birthday... And church is about my birthday. God bless you guys. Have your birthday. I mean, when it's all about me, I am completely out of step with what God is doing in the world, whether or not there's a pandemic or everyone's healthy. I think it's so important to hear about the oneness in Christ in these times because we are, each of us, given a different lifestyle to live right now. A lifestyle that isn't what we would have been doing a month ago or two months ago. And guess what? If you're in Jesus, you're on mission to find out how to be one with the people you're with. Kids, I want to commission you in the name of Jesus how to follow Christ in these days. You can do it. Do you know what the Bible never says that you have to be this old to follow Jesus or this old to follow Jesus? You have to be in puberty to follow Jesus or past puberty to follow Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you can learn to follow him and you can bear fruit and you can grow and you can find out ways to love people that you don't get along with well. You can find ways to share. You can be a blessing by the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter how old you get, it's always just by the power of the Holy Spirit for people who believe. If you're seven or 77 and everything between, the only way this happens is by the power of the Spirit for people who believe in Jesus. 
And you can do it. And I'm calling you to do it. Don't wait for anybody else. Believe in Jesus and be on mission with the life God's given you today. The second reason I want to talk about this is because if we grasp that the purpose of the church and the purpose of being alive is actually to be part of God's mission of bringing people from every nation together to be one new humanity in Christ, it will rescue us from becoming self-centered, scared people during a pandemic. It's not our job just to think about our own security and safety in these days. That's not our job. And yes, we can be respectful for distancing. I totally am. I don't think I'm doing anything that anyone can complain about. I'm not endangering anybody that I know of. But I refuse, refuse, refuse to believe that the whole point of being alive right now is to be afraid of a virus. I exist to be one with everybody who's in God's people. And I exist to help people become one with Christ just like you. And so we need to push ourselves to continue to be outward focused. My wife, she's wonderful. She read a verse for me this morning from the Bible. And pointed me towards it. I'm going to read to you a story about what, how the church, the early church responded to news that the whole world was going to go through a hard time. This is from Acts verse 11, or chapter 11, starting verse 27. Now in these days... Prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. This is like on the other side of the world. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world, which took place in the days of Caesar Claudius. So the disciples determined to be angry at everybody and to hoard toilet paper and food and to worry about their savings. And to get suspicious of everybody who's walking outside. And to grumble about the government. Wait, no, that's not what it says. Sorry, I was on the wrong verse. Verse 29. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so. Sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Someone came up by the Spirit and told the early church, There's going to be a famine. None of us are going to have enough food. And the church's response was, we should take up an offering and send it to the Jews, (laughs) to those people who, until Jesus came, hated us and we hated them. Let's do that. Since we're all going to be hungry anyway, we might as well, while we still have some money in our pockets, gather together and send it to Judea as a way of saying thanks that the Lord came from you. I'm waving. This is the church. They're told we could all die. And their response was, I might as well die well by being generous until I go out. Okay, what's the most fearful thing you could face right now with this whole coronavirus? That you could die. Okay, why don't we do this? Kids, I'm talking to the adults now. Why don't you just assume that you're going to be dead by June? Worst case scenario. Maybe July. Push it to July. You can have one summer month. Assume you're dead in July. How are you going to live? You got two or three months. What are you going to do? Assume you're going to die. What do you want your last three months before you see the face of the judge of the universe to be like? Okay, why would you live any different if you think you might survive this thing? 
don't just listen to the news. Don't just listen to the fear. Put your eyes on the living Christ and serve him. And if all you can do is parent, serve him. If you go down parenting, he will receive you with a smile. Serve him. Be generous. Serve him. Serve him. Be one with Christ and care about the other people in the world who are one with Christ. Go down giving. That's what the early church wanted to do. I mean, they didn't even have anything. They didn't have fridges back then. They, 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 you're, you're all going to be hungry. We might as well give away what we got now. These, anyhow. The last thing I wanted to do is um, say again. When we come out of this church, we're coming out of this on missions. Canada, even with all that's going on, we are probably going to have one of the best experiences in the world of this virus. And there are people who don't know Christ. We are coming out of this thing to live for the glory of God and sharing the Lord Jesus Christ and being used by God to gather together people from the entire world to be Jesus' reward and to be one new people with him. This is what we're doing, so plan on it. And this is your time. Your whole regular life is messed up. Be on missions today because we're doing this. This is what God is saying to the church. I don't even know how else to say this. He's coming back sometime, and it could be in our life. And that's not something to get suspicious about governments about. Jesus said in Luke, when you see Jerusalem about to be destroyed, lift up your heads. It's time. It's time to be happy. It's time to know that Christ might come back. It's time. Lift up your heads. It's proud. Jesus is Lord. Everything, if it gets destroyed, it was going to anyways. I still don't believe we hoard toilet paper. We wipe our butts with that stuff. But that's the whole world. The whole world is toilet paper. It's just meant to be used and thrown away. It's the people that Christ is gathering that are the treasure of the universe. And we got to go get them. And we got to be them. This is wonderful. It's just hard. But Jesus told us it's going to be hard. So, I know you were wondering about Grumpy Gramps. If you're not a big fan of Scratchy Cat, you're wondering about Grumpy Gramps. Okay, so Grumpy Gramps may be a little autobiographical, but don't worry about that. You might remember Grumpy Gramps. He was the guy who was just quote-unquote done and just decided he was going to live in bed for the rest of his natural life. But he had a granddaughter who didn't quite believe him named Grace. And she showed Grumpy Gramps that he wasn't done and that he could actually get out of bed and do stuff. Well, one of the things Grace really encouraged Grumpy Gramps to do was to start coming to church again. He was doing it, and then he quit. And so he came, and he was doing his, uh, his grumpiness ministry to the church because he couldn't find that they were doing much right. So he would come to church on a Sunday morning. The greeter would be there, and he would, they would say to him, Good morning! And he would say, Is it? And then he would walk off. That's a grumpy thing to do. And then he would come and he would sit during the music and he'd have his arms folded and he told himself, I'm just making the symbol of the cross with my arms, but I don't think that was the whole reason. And he'd sit there with his arms folded 
And, uh, you know, sometimes he might hum, hum along, but he was pretty sure that they were missing some notes and missing some keys, and they were going faster and slower with the tempo, and he really wished that they would just sing some songs with some better lyrics sometimes, and nobody ever asked him which of those songs they would be, and, and he wasn't even sure himself if he knew the right ones, but he was pretty sure that there was something missing there. And, and then sometimes the sermon would come on, and, and sometimes the sermon was okay, and it's because it said things he agreed with, and sometimes it wasn't, and and he would sometimes grumble about it. But the one thing Grumpy Gramps loved was coffee. Man, the coffee time. It was good coffee. And you know what made it really great coffee? It was free. Sometimes when you're grumpy, free is the only good thing in your life. And so Grumpy Gramps would always love his free coffee time. And so after things were done and he had endured church thus far and endured the Christians and endured people not doing a good enough job for him, he would go for his coffee and he, he didn't mind it. He took his coffee, with a double-double, two creams, two sugars in his coffee, and he would just enjoy that. And he was in the symbol. You know, Grace was there. Grace took Gramps to church, and she observed. Grace is very patient, so a lot of observing, not a lot of saying. And one time, Grace went with Grumpy Gramps to the coffee station. And Grumpy Gramps was about to get started. And Grace said, can I help you with this, Grumpy Gramps? He said, oh, sure. Grumpy Gramps watched, though, as Grace filled up a cup full of coffee and then just poured it all onto the ground. And then she took the sugar dispenser and she just poured it all onto the ground. And then she took the cream dispenser. Oh, cream. It's not milk. I'm sorry. No coffee and milk. Milk and coffee. It's got to be cream. She poured it all over the ground. And Grumpy Gramps just stood there. Staring at his coffee, staining the carpet and the cream. I'm not even sure what's worth the coffee or the cream. Is it the cream or the coffee? What really kills the carpet? It's, it's something. It's, it's, it's both of them together. It's like the double whammy of doom. And the sugar in there too, changing colors from white to brown to black before his very eyes as it soaked up the cream and the coffee. It's getting wrecked. And Grumpy Grams didn't even know what to say. And Grace said to Grumpy Gramps, Gramps, you know I love you. Grumpy Gramps didn't know what to say. Grace said, Gramps, I'm, sh- I'm afraid. When, when I poured that coffee, did it feel like I was wasting it? Grumpy Gramps said, uh. And when I poured that sweet sugar on the ground where you can't have it, did it feel like I was wasting it? Grumpy Gramps said, uh. And when I poured that cream on the ground, did it feel like I was just wasting it? Ah. Uh. Grumpy Gramps, says Grace, you're wasting it. You're wasting it. You come to church, you're not there to love people you don't like. You come to church, you're not there to worship no matter what's happening around you. You come to church, you're not there to believe the word of God, whether you like what's being said or not. Grumpy Gramps, you're like a coffee poured out on the ground right now. You're wasting it. You've got so much more potential. You've got experience. You've got your health. You're here. You can make the world a better place by trusting in Jesus and believing that you're one with these people. Grumpy Gramps, don't be a coffee cup poured out on the ground. And here, let me get you your coffee. Let's pray. Father, we just yield to you in these uncertain times. Father, only you know all that you're doing. But it is so clear that this is a time for your church to rise up. 
Father, each one of us needs to be led by the Spirit. And I pray today, Lord, that every Christian who hears my voice will begin to say in a fresh way, Holy Spirit, lead me today. Father, only you know the details of the calling you have for each one of us. Would you reveal it to us day by day? Father, I pray for our young people. Father, that they would come into faith knowing that anyone can get led by the Spirit of God. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes as as we're in the season of not getting what we want to see what you're doing so that we can live by greater and greater faith. Father, would you help us to be repentant of our sins, Lord? If we've been grumbling, if we've been complaining, if we've been fighting, would you help us to go and repent and embrace your call to be one? And Father, I pray by grace that there would be a true explosion of faith and that you would gather together in our days your church and that you would use us for your glory. And all God's people said, amen.